0: Debbie and I are back, and we had a wonderful sabbatical. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord while we were gone. I uh, didn't look at much from the church, but I did look at the attendance every week and wanted to make sure you were still here. And um, we had great speakers while I was gone. I listened to most of the messages on the internet. They were wonderful messages. We had a, a just, we did a lot of nothing. We, uh, we were really tired, both of us. We read a, um, one of the books, we read a lot of books, but one of the books we read, Debbie read it to me, part of it, that said, how to know if you're stressed or burned out. And uh, she'd said, if you're stressed, you do this. If you're burned out, you do this. And I thought, well, I'm burned out then, you know? I, and she went down the list and you never want to admit that you get to that place, but that's really where I was. I was burned out emotionally, physically, Um, I found out right before I left, I went to Cooper clinic to just check out everything physically and the doctor, they did a body scan and the, the doctor that did the body scan went into the doctor that was meeting with me while I was off doing something else and said, how did this guy even lay down on the table? And, um, you know, the, my doctor said, well, what do you mean? And the doctor did the cat scan said he has six fractured ribs. So remember, I got conflicting reports about whether I had one or three or none or, you know, and um, but with the CAT scan, they were clearly visible. And so I talked to the elders about some of this, and, you know, we agreed I probably came back a little too soon, and I was just tired. I was very tired. So I really, really appreciate uh, the time off. We, Debbie and I are doing great. Went to Alaska, um, saw whales, you know, bears. We saw it all moose, and um, we had a good time. And, uh, anyway, God is just very, very good. So I'm glad to be back and, uh, I'm going to preach a little longer than normal since I haven't preached in eight weeks. And, uh, so I'm preaching about two hours this morning, if you don't mind. All right. Turn to Genesis chapter two and first Samuel 17, Genesis two and first Samuel 17. And I'm going to share with you a message this week and next week. Uh, that are just standalone messages. These two would go together. And then we're gonna have a prophetic presbytery the three weeks from today, and then I'll begin a new series that'll take us into the fall. Uh, But I'm gonna share with you something today that I've never ever shared from the pulpit. Not even the, the statement I'm going to make have I ever shared this. The title of the message today is God Needs You. God Needs You. Now um, let me explain something to you about writing sermons. Okay, when when you write a sermon, the title is the captures the overall truth that you want everyone to catch or go home with. You, you want them to get that truth. That somehow that title leads to the overall theme, and then each point that you have, you 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 do those points to prove. The theme or the truth that you're presenting that day you understand what i'm saying so the, the truth that i'm trying to present is god Needs you now This is going to seem a little bit strange But i'm going to go right to my first point and here's the first point to prove to you That god needs you. All right point number one is god doesn't need anything Doesn't quite prove it does it <laughs> Okay, now let me explain to you this message. This message came one day, I'm, actually, we were on the, on the cruise, and we were sitting on the deck and just reading. We spent several hours, and I'd kind of read all the self-help books by then about all the reasons why I'm so messed up and all that stuff. I'd done all that on the sabbatical. But we were just vacationing. And so I was just reading a book that had nothing to do with anything about Alaska and about ships and things like that. And then I put it down and I was just looking out at the, the uh, glaciers and the mountains and all the pretty things. And the Lord spoke to me. And he just, it wasn't loud. It was a whisper. He just whispered in my ear. And he said three words that blew my theology. He said, I need you. I need you. Now, let me explain something. Out of all the years of preaching, almost 25 now, I've never, ever said God needed you from the pulpit. Never. Even when I was trying to explain to people how much God loves you and how much God wants you and how much God desires you, I've come close to saying he needs you or he needs your fellowship or he needs your love. But every time I've come close to saying it, I've stopped myself because theologically it's not correct. And I knew that. And so God said to me on that ship that day, I need you. And so I took the next few minutes and explained to him why doctrinally that's wrong. <laughs> and I said, God, you don't need anything because you are completely self-existent on your own. That's, that's what self-existent means. You're, you're self-existent, you're self-sustaining, and, and you're self-sufficient. And I want you to understand this. This is an attribute of God. And by me saying God needs you, I'm not taking away from I want you to understand, I know God doesn't need anything. Okay? He doesn't need anything to exist. Now, I'm going to show you in a moment how he needs you. But he doesn't need anything to exist. He's self-existent, self-sufficient, and self-sustaining. Now, I remember a a few years ago, 20 years ago, when Debbie and I were in traveling ministry... We were going to buy a motor home to travel in. We were traveling every week, staying in hotels. Someone said, man, you ought to get a motor home. They're wonderful. So this guy said to me uh, on our board, he said, why don't you rent one and try it out first before we spend this money on it? So I thought, well, that's a good idea. So we rented it for a three-week ministry trip. Well, the first week was heaven. The second week, although I don't believe in this, but to just give you just give you an analogy, the second week was purgatory. <laughs> so, do you know what the third week was? <laughs> okay, it, it was horrible, and and it was, it was just we just didn't like it. We didn't like. It's one thing if you go camping and go vacationing, but you don't want to live in, in something that small, you know. And there was no maid. <laughs> Like in a hotel, no one came in to clean it up for us, you know. And so the other thing though was that I found out about it was when we left, the guy said to me two words that somehow I related to, to the sovereignty of God. I don't know why, but he said, this motorhome is fully self-contained. For some reason, I thought that was like (laughs) self-sustaining, but it's not. What it means is if you put a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of gas, and a lot of money, it will barely get you down the road. That's what it means. (laughs) That's self-contained. Okay, God is not self-contained. He's self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything to exist. Okay, that's a truth. Here's point two. God decided... To need you. That's right. That's good. God decided to need you. Now, listen to this. God decided to need you not to exist but to coexist. Listen to me. God decided to create you as a friend, as a companion and ultimately as a bride, to coexist with you. God decided to coexist with you in an intimate relationship. Therefore, he decided to need you. you. You need the people you love. And so God decided. He didn't have to, but he decided to. He decided to need us. Now, look at Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to show you some examples of God needing us. Genesis 2 verse 19, here's the first thing that ever happened after he created Adam. Out of the ground, the the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Okay, here's the first example. God needed Adam to name the animals. Now, you say, well, I don't know if that's true. Well, it is true. I know it's true because God did that. And I also know it's true because God gave Adam dominion over the earth. And when God gives authority, responsibility comes with it. So since God gave him the authority over the animals, then he, ne- he had the responsibility for the animals. So he needed Adam to name the animals. He needed Adam to pick up his responsibility so that he could have dominion. See what I'm saying? Now, I, I thought a lot about this, Adam naming the animals, you know. Um I I I think he got tired. If you think about it, there are a lot of animals. You know, there's tigers and lions and, and and birds and cows, and then there's different kinds, you know? And there's there's classes and there's orders and there's phylums and there's kingdoms. You know what I'm saying? Of all think about all the animals. I think he got tired. The reason I think he got tired is if you think about it, I think he got tired when he got to the birds. He's naming the birds, and 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 you know it's it's there's eagles and hawks. You're a, a stork. You're a pelican. You're a crane. Uh, you're a parrot. I think he got tired. The reason I think he got tired is because I think eventually he saw a bird and he said, "Your name is Red Bird." Your name is Bluebird, <laughs> Blackbird, <Yeah>. Hummingbird. <laughs> and I think he got tired. Okay, but he named the animals. Why? Because God needed him to name the animals. Why? Because God couldn't do it? No. Because God decided to coexist with him. God decided to partner with him. God decided for him to be his friend. And it took a genius. It, it, it took a genius to name the animals. I mean, you think about it. it. You had to be a genius. And obviously, Adam was a genius because he was created by a genius. Amen. And God created him a genius because if you're going to create a friend, you don't create a dummy to hang out with <laughs> if you're a genius. So he created a genius. And Adam does this. But here's the point God could have said to Adam, Come here, son, come here. Look, that's a lion. See that? That's a lion. That's an elephant. That's a camel. Uh, that one has one hunt, but there's some that have two. Okay, That has one, that has two. That, oh, that's a duck. See that? That's a duck just flew over there. That's a goose. Goose is bigger than a duck. That's a deer. That's a good deer, too, by the way. That's about a 180-point Boone and Crockett. You need to remember where that deer lives because that's a good one. He could have done that, right? He could have said to Adam, these are the names of the animals. But he didn't. Why? Because he decided to coexist with Adam. And because he decided to coexist, he decided to need Adam. Now, let me show you another scripture that shows how God needed people. And we'll get to 1 Samuel 17 in a minute. Mark 6 verse 5 says, talking about Jesus. Now, he could do no mighty work. In other words, he could not do. He could not do a mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, this is a scripture that's always puzzled me because the Bible doesn't say that he would not. It doesn't say that Jesus would not because they didn't believe. It says he could not. Now, when we talk about this, I want you to understand, we're not talking about that God doesn't have the power. We're talking about that God put a law, a principle into motion that he doesn't move until we move. So God needs us to move. God needs us to believe. God needs us to step out in faith. God needs us to pray. God needs us to witness because he decided to need us. And he goes to a village and they don't believe. And so the Bible, the Bible says that he could not do. He could not. And the word could, I looked it up in the Greek. It means to be able or to be possible. Now this is very hard for us to comprehend. But what it means is Jesus was not able. He was not able. It was not possible for him to do a mighty work there because he's limited himself, his power on this earth to moving through people. That's what I want you to understand. I'm not saying he didn't have the ability. I'm saying that he set up a principle that he won't violate. Now, here's what I want to ask you. Do you think Satan knows this principle? (laughs) Now look at 1 Samuel 17. This is the story that put uh, David on the map. David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was... Six cubits and a span. How many cubits? Six. Try to remember that number, all right? He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. So far, that's two pieces of armor. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Here's the third piece. And a bronze armor on his legs, bronze javelin between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. How many hundred shekels did it weigh? six. Okay. If you count up his pieces of armor, he had six pieces of armor. He was six cubits tall and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels. Six, six, six. This is a type of the antichrist. He's standing up, challenging the people of God, just like the antichrist will. And he's saying to the people of God, where's your God? Where is he? Six, six, six. Okay, now watch very carefully what he says. Look at verse eight. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man. Remember, I'm telling you, God needs men. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. Choose a man and let him come down and fight with me. If he wins, we'll be your servants. If I win, you'll be ours. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day, the people of God. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, this is Satan talking through this man. Goliath was just a man, but Satan's motivating because they're coming against the people of God. There's no doubt about that. He's a type, all right? And here's what I think Satan was saying that day. I've got you, God. I've got you because I know that you work through people. And there's not a man among all Israel that's got the guts to face this giant. So I can take all of them into captivity because there's not a man that will stand up and trust you. And I know that you're not going to work any other way. I know that's the way you work. Now, don't you think that God could have sent a lightning bolt and hit Goliath right in the head? Don't you think that? Well, why didn't he? Because he's chosen it. And I, I, I got to thinking about this. I got to think, well, surely there are times that God moves and, and, and people aren't involved. But I got to looking for it. And even the one that came to my mind immediately was when God sent an angel and killed 185,000 Assyrians. you remember that story? Second Kings. And so I went and read it and I went up before it and this is what it says. Here's what God said. Because you've prayed. To Hezekiah. Because you prayed, I'll defeat the Assyrians for you. But he didn't do it until Hezekiah prayed. I'm telling you, Satan knows this. So Satan sends a giant out there and says, I've got you, God. And I've got all your people because there's not a man that's got the guts to stand up and face Goliath. You know what God said? This is so good because God always has a plan. (laughs) God said, I don't even need a man. I got a boy. (laughs) A 17-year-old boy that I've been preparing For this day. Because I know the future. And you don't, uh, Satan. And I knew you were going to do this. So I prepared him with a lion. And I prepared him with a bear. And I'm going to take care of this. And one guy had faith. And listen. When he stepped up in faith, God did the rest. But a person had to sling the stone. God made it hit the mark. Not David. He wasn't that good. (laughs) There's not a person that can do what only God can do. God did it. But a person had to do it. I want you to understand that. We've got to step up and do something. Amen. Romans 10 13. You ever heard this verse? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, have you anyone, everyone ever heard that verse? It's part of the, what we call the Roman road. Romans three, this is how you witness to someone. Romans three twenty three, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then you can use Romans 10, 9 and 10, but then you get to Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You got that? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But God needs people. Look at the very next verse, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a person? I can't get the whole world saved. That's what God is saying. I can't do it until someone will preach to him. I have limited myself to partner with you. It is amazing to me how many people pray this prayer. God, please send someone to my neighbor. 30 feet away. Please send someone to witness to my neighbor. Your neighbors aren't going to get saved unless you or someone shares the Lord gospel with him. So God's limited Himself to work through us. That's why He needs us. By the way, all you have to do is look at the spirit of the world and and see the opposite of it, and you can see some truth many times. For instance, see what you know what the world is saying right now. Man is not important. Man uh, is just a visitor on this planet. Man has only been here for a short time. The animals are more important than man. Can I tell you something? God did not create me for the animals. He created the animals for me. He likes me. I'm the one he created in his image. He did not create a giraffe in his image. I'm in his image. All right. Here's the third thing. Have you decided to need God? God doesn't need anything to exist, but he decided to need you to coexist. Have you decided to need God? And I'm not just talking about getting saved. Okay. I'm talking about every day today. Did you decide when you got up today to need God? You know what happens? Many times we don't decide in the morning that we need God, but something happens during the day and we decide we need God. So it would be better just to tell him every morning that you need him and that you're going to need him that day. And that you need him in your marriage and you need him in your ministry and you need him in every area of your life. God is not going to do what you can do. David slung the stone, right? Moses. Lifted up the rod and God parted the Red Sea. God didn't part the Red Sea though till Moses lifted up the rod. Let me, let me just tell you something about this thing about coexisting, alright? Your part is never supernatural. <laughs> and that's good. Because you're not good at supernatural things. Your part is never supernatural. God's part is always supernatural. Your part is to lift the rod up. God's part is to part the Red Sea. You can't do that part. God's not going to do what he has given you the responsibility and the ability to do. One lady was uh, working in the nursery, and she didn't have children of her own, and uh, she was volunteering her time, and she was changing a diaper. And she just was kind of joking around with the Lord, which is okay, by the way. He has a sense of humor. And so she just kind of joked around with him. She said, God, are you going to help me when I have children? She said, are you going to change diapers? And she said, she just very clearly heard this voice. I am the Lord. I change not. (laughs) There are just some things that God's not going to do. And that's one of them right there. God's not going to do what you can do. Listen to me carefully. God's never going to do your part. Loving your wife and laying down your life for her is your part, not God's part Healing your marriage is God's part, but he's not moving until you move It's like a chess game. You ever watch one of those chess games? I know you don't watch them for long on tv But if you're flipping through the channels One guy moves and then he ding hits the bell, right? What does that mean? It's your move Listen to me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you that where God is in your business, in your life, in your family, in your health, here's where God is right now. It's your move. You believe. You pray. You do something about it. It's your move. I'm not moving again until you move. Everything that's happened at Gateway Church has happened because God has moved and we've moved. Every time he moves, we move. He moves, we move. He moves, we move. You ever, you ever hear all the talk that, that, about the move of God? You know, I've been saved 25 years and I've been hearing it for 25 years. Some of you maybe 40 or 50 years. The move, There's a move of God coming. There's a move of God coming. Well, I got a question for you. When's it going to get here? Let me tell you, according to the Bible, when the move of God started, it started when Jesus came. That's when it started. It's here. God's move is here. We, you know, everyone says we need to move a God. i tell you what we need we need to move a man. <laughs> we need some people to start doing something. God has always moved when his people moved, he's always done it in response to our faith. Okay, let me go back and just wrap this up. We started with Adam in the garden. I'm going to show you something that happened in the garden that proves that God needed a man all right i want you to think about this for a moment i don't know if you've ever thought about this before but have you ever thought about that adam did one thing wrong adam and eve did one thing wrong one thing and got kicked out i mean they ate one piece of fruit not the whole tree they didn't make a cobbler or anything they just had one 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 piece and I got kicked out. And furthermore, when Adam sinned, every person in the world was condemned. Did you know that? Some of you may be new believers and maybe you've never heard that. Maybe you didn't know that. That's true. Romans 5 says that. Because one sinned, everyone was condemned. You were born condemned. Do you know that? You were born on your way to hell. You had to get saved to go to heaven. You were born going to hell. If you'd never done anything, you go to hell. You were born condemned. Not because you sinned, because Adam sinned. That's the Bible. Now, doesn't that seem a bit harsh to you? I see you don't want to answer because you're in church. And you know God is watching. When you get in the car, you'll say, it does seem harsh. Yeah, I tell you that. Doesn't it seem harsh? One person sins and everyone gets condemned. Okay, can I tell you what it really is? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Anytime there's something about God that you don't understand, it's because you don't understand. That's That's all there is to it. You just don't understand yet. But when God shows you, you say, ah, okay, listen, listen carefully. You're going to love this. And let me just let you know, this is good preaching. If you don't know, this is what I'm about to, what I'm about to tell you, this is good. Now listen. Listen, this is good. And I'm going to, listen, because since I'll use the word since, since it only took one man to lose it all, you know why I do this, by the way, you know why I, I phrase things the way I do. And I, you know why? Because I want you to get ahead of me. I want you to get used to hearing revelation, hearing God. Okay. Listen to me. Since it only took one man to lose it all, it only took one man to get it all back. That's good. That's brilliant. And now listen, I'm going to prove the point that God needs you. God needed a man to redeem mankind. Otherwise, Jesus could have done it from heaven. That's right. That's good. Amen. (laughs) There you go. That's worth your money right there. (laughs) He needed Jesus to become a man to redeem mankind. Now, I got one more revelation that's just going to take you through the week, all right? One more. Do you remember what Goliath said? Goliath said, choose a man that may come down and fight with me. If I win, you become our servants. If he wins, we'll become your servants. Remember that? Who does Goliath represent? Satan. Listen to me carefully. Satan said to God, choose a man that he may come down and fight with me. And God said, Okay, I choose Jesus. Satan said, Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I said, A man. And God said, Well, we'll just make him a man. That's good. Choose a man that he may come down and fight with me. If I win, I get everybody. He wins. You get them. If they'll believe, you can get them. All of them. And so Jesus became a man to redeem mankind. Now listen to me. He needed a man to redeem mankind. Listen to me carefully. He needs a man or a woman to redeem your marriage. He needs you to start walking in faith. For something to happen miraculously in your life God has decided to need you although he doesn't need anything he's decided to need you have you decided to need him I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes what's the Holy Spirit saying to you what area of your life do you need God in right now do you need to tell him I need you I can't make it without you there are some of you here that need to get saved this morning You need to understand that God's already done everything to pay for your salvation. And some of you believe you're saved, but you're not living for God. Some of you may be backslidden away from God, but some of you have never truly been saved because you've never yielded your rights to Jesus. And you can do that before you leave. Before you leave, our ministry team will be here at the altar. And we want to help you. We want to pray with you. If you need prayer for any area of your life, if you, especially if you need to get right with God, don't leave without coming to one of our ministry team and letting us pray for you. And it'll be very easy because we'll dismiss the service and other people will be coming down here for prayer. And you just come down here and let us pray for you. If you're not right with God, don't leave without letting us help you get right with God. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you decided to need us and we decide to need you in Jesus name. Amen.